today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. We lost a couple of legends over the weekend, uh, one in the entertainment field, one in the sporting field. We'll uh, talk about Hank Aaron a little bit later on in the program. But uh, sad news for an awful lot of people, especially in the business that I'm in right now, that uh, the legendary Larry King passed away uh, this past weekend. Matt Wolf has some details for us. Madonna on Larry King Live. Remembering Larry King, the legendary talk show host who died in Los Angeles after being hospitalized with COVID-19 earlier this month. King's decades-long career spanned television and radio, his big break coming out of Miami radio station back in the 1950s. Tonight, Liza Minnelli. Larry King Live, his signature show running for 25 years on CNN, his trademark suspenders always visible, while interviewing the likes of Michael Jordan, Margaret Thatcher, Marlon Brando, even Frank Sinatra in one of his final interviews. Why are you here? Why did you? Because you asked me to come and I haven't seen you in a long time. Larry King was 87. Matt Wolf, ABC News. So, what made him the legend that he was for so many years? I want to bring uh, our good friend uh, Eric Halper into the conversation, of course, music and pop culture expert, and always a welcome guest on the program. How are you doing this morning, Eric? Bill in Hamilton, let's take her call. Wouldn't that be just great? Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, you know, it, it was so sad when, when I heard about it for one really big reason. You know, not only did I watch him growing up, I think everybody did, because CNN wasn't the hard-hitting political, you know, democratic show and program and network that it is. It was like one of the very few spots where, you could have light, breezy entertainment of two people just talking. And that's one of the reasons why I'm going to miss him. And even now where I, I, I have my own show, I kind of take a lot of that philosophy from Larry with the interviews that I do. It's, you know, don't do too much investigation. Don't do too much research. You kind of want to just have a conversation with the friends. Because it, it's all about styling. I, I, I agree with you totally. Uh, and I know he actually prided himself. I read a number of different interviews uh, that he gave yeah. back in, in those days. And he said, I, I never do much in the way of research for any guest. If it's a, an author, for instance, I don't read their book. Uh, the, he says, that way I'm asking the questions I think my listeners want me to ask or my, you know, my viewers want me to ask. And then you, on the other hand, remember the late Brian Linehan uh, that, that had his yeah. show, of course, for so many years. Brian knew everything about you. I mean, if, <laughs> if you ever wanted to find in through any skeletons in your closet, go and ask Brian to interview you because he, he researched the heck out of everything. Uh, and I don't know which one is better. I mean, I, I, I kind of I see where Larry was coming from in this because – you know, let's face it, any great interview, and you do, you do these for your love and two, Eric, it's, it's who, what, when, where, why. I mean, to ask those questions and listen to what they're answering, and, it's, and, and that seemed to be the thing with Larry King. He didn't have a list of questions. He was just having a conversation with the individual. Yeah, and, and, and you know, with Brian, he, I don't think people wanted to let their guard down a lot when they were sitting so close to him with the man that knew about that cab ride that you took in 1978 that might have been, uh, you know, a a powerful change in your life that you've never told anybody before, but Brian would know. And that's kind of like Howard Stern a little bit where his staff of researchers are so good, but Howard is so fast in talking to the interviewee that sometimes you don't have time to think about what you're going to say. With Brian, he was slow, but he was precise. With Larry, it was almost like you were listening in to 
the conversation that they would be having during the commercial break where it's just two people going over, you know, anything that they wanted to talk about. But that's one, you know, that's only part of it. I think the other big reason why we all love Larry King and why he was able to stay on there for so long was the celebrities begat themselves. You know, once he started to get some of the major Hollywood stars of the 50s and 60s, and he didn't care if you were on the top of your game or you were a B-lister or even a, a C or D lister whose time has long passed out of the spotlight, that was the place to go if you wanted to promote something. So you always had an opportunity to see a major star like Frank Sinatra, like Lady Gaga, Marlon Brando did one interview when yeah. he was you know, releasing his autobiography. So you always got something different when, when you were watching Larry King with his guests. But I think as a celebrity or the person from the other side of the microphone, you always wanted to make sure that Larry had a good time. <laughs> I actually started listening and became even on CNN. Uh, he used to have a late-night talk show. He was out of Washington. I was on the Mutual Radio Network. I, I don't know how many stations that entailed, but I, there was a station in the Buffalo that carried it. And uh, and I was doing an evening show at the time at the radio station I was working at, so I got off at 10 o'clock, and Larry King was always on. And I think he was on until like 1 o'clock in the morning or something like that, and they'd, they'd replay it. Uh, but he was an incredible interviewer. Just He just riveting. You know, he, a great storyteller, too. Uh, you don't get a chance to do that too often when you get to do that. But I think that that's what really, I think, gave him the audience that uh, that when CNN decided they wanted to do something in the evening, he had to be the guy they had to hire. Yeah, and, and you know, just, just listening to, to you talk, you know, it, it, the fact that he was able to have one guest per hour, um, some, for the most part, sometimes he had two with a half-hour, you know, yeah. segment, um, it kind of predated... Um, the podcast world that we're living in now where things get a little bit slower. You can take your time building up the story, building up the interview. You can just go in the middle and, and have the crescendo like a Shakespeare play where you start off, you know, low and, and get to a, a peak. Um, that wasn't, that's, that's so rare these days when everybody is looking for the moment. Everybody's looking for the quote, for the headline, for the tweet, for the social media activity that producers behind the scenes would say, that's it. That's the quote that's going to get us worldwide. I don't think Larry King so much cared about that. I think he was really looking to enjoy himself and have the, the person on the other side of the, of the microphone have a good time, too. Because if they were having a good time, chances are the viewer were having a good time too. But it was just that slower pace that I think that is really missing in broadcasting, not on this show, but <laughs> it, just in general, I think, you know, with the, with the gotcha moments of journalism that we're all kind of, you know, used to by now. The other thing about that, though, and I guess it kind of builds on what you were just saying there, Eric, uh, his critics, and he did have critics, uh, said that, you know what, he just tosses softballs. Uh, he wasn't hard-hitting. He didn't ask these tough questions. And, and, and Larry's defense to that always was, well, that's not who I am. I, I'm not going to be that guy because that's not what I do. Uh, he, you know, and, and there are people that do that, and, and they, that's how they've made their careers. You know, They, they want to get that, as you say, that knockout punch and say, aha, the gotcha moment. Uh, he just just wanted to have a conversation, and, and like you say, we we would eavesdrop on those conversations every night. 
Yeah, apparently producers at CNN would be would be literally tearing their hair out. Another host on the sh- on the network would be seething whenever S- Larry got an A-list celebrity or somebody in the political realm um, because they knew that he was going to give them a lot of softball questions and not really dig deep into what they felt the story was. But that wasn't what Larry was for. You know, if you wanted the hard-hitting journalism, well, at the time, you know, Tom Brokaw was good. Um, you know, obviously Walter Cronkite, you know, or, or decades before. Um, but that's where you went to get that. And, you know, he was kind of like the Johnny Carson mm-hmm. for the people who wanted to have news in their lives, whether it was Hollywood celebrity or a sports figure. But there were times, though, where, you know, he, he was kind of firm in, in what he was kind of talking about. You know, he had Michael Moore and Dr. Sanjay Gupta on, and they were battling it out years before the doctor was, you know, almost an hourly um, personality on CNN. Um, I clearly remember Ross Perot um, and Al Gore battling. I remember that show, yeah. Yeah, and like, you know, the rumors were, and, and it came out this week that it was true that, like, Larry King was was pushing Ross Perot big time on announcing his presidency. But, you know, Ross Perot would be perfect for for Larry King because I think that they would both have a good time at it. So I think when he wanted to push, he had no problem doing that. But it just wasn't in his nature to do that. It's not what he wanted to do with his life. There was, that was a pivotal time, too, that, that Al Gore versus Ross Perot debate. It was about uh, free trade. And, uh, you know, the experts uh, say that that probably was one of the contributing factors that swung that election to Bill Clinton and Al Gore. Because uh, don't forget, Ross Perot was the third-party candidate that year running for president. And uh, uh, the, if they were scoring at home, they said Gore did a, a pretty decent job of, of mopping the floor with Perot in that. And I'm not sure if Larry loved that, but it was one of those moments where people, it was, he had, it was must-see TV. And there's, I know we use that phrase a lot, but with Larry King, it was that way. And I, I guess we have to put this in context, too, Eric. Cable news was in its infancy back in those days. I mean, and yeah. they were looking to define themselves. And and CNN, of course, I guess they still do, have two networks. There's headline news, which is really just people reading news uh, through a, a, what they call a news wheel, the same stories about every 20, 25 minutes. And, and they were trying to find an identity for this other CNN network. And they needed a, a star. They needed somebody like this. And, and you're absolutely right. That show wouldn't have been half of uh, popular as it was if if Larry didn't have access to to the big names and, and it got to the point as we've seen happen so many times anybody who was anybody wanted to be on that show that was the, the get to thing you you know back in the early days of late night TV you had to do Carson well you had to do Larry King too yeah and and if you didn't get Carlson uh, if, if you didn't get Johnny chances are you could probably find a spot on Larry King but you know <laughs> by the same token it was still five nights a week when programming was a little bit more freer. But, you know, make no mistake, you know, for anybody listening, although that, yeah, like in the beginning, CNN was not the the CNN um, in terms of like just fierceness and competition that the TV world has with 700 channels. Um, But, you know, Larry came seasoned. You know, he was doing radio for decades before then. He built up a great roster of of not only staff and producers who who helped book the program, but Larry himself was a celebrity. I mean, mm-hmm. he got married, I think, 147 times. It was, <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, I think he got married three times to the same woman twice. Um, so, living in LA, 
he was actually creating news just by being Larry King. And that elevated his profile as well. It was very, very rare when the other, when the host of an interview talk show became a celebrity in itself, which is strange when I saw, you know, you brought up Brian Lyonhead. That's so funny. You know, there's a clip in the new, um, oh, uh, in the new Fran Leibowitz, uh, Martin Scorsese docu-series that's on Netflix now called Pretend It's a City. And Brian has a clip in there um, interviewing her. And for a moment, it was like, yay, Canada. But Brian <laughs> was our celebrity. And oh, he was. And think that Brian was a celebrity, well, that's just because we're in Canada. Larry King shone so brightly because of who he was and his ability to, like, hang out and hobnob with the very best. Well, he did what you need to do, what Eric Alper has done and, and what Larry King has done, is uh, he created a brand. It was the Larry King yeah. brand. It, it, the look, as you say, no jacket. I don't think I ever saw him on TV with a jacket. No. On. Uh, no. Just, as you say, the, the, you know, the, the suspenders, uh, the sleeves rolled up sometimes, sometimes not, uh, and that backdrop that they always used. And even when he went off uh, the Larry King show and they stupidly hired Pierce to do the show, uh, Larry became a pitch man on some of those infomercials, but you notice he used the same backdrop because that was his brand. Yeah, um, and which is which is fascinating for for the time when newscasters, um, for the most part, were really serious people. They read the copy. They might have done their own research. Some did. Um, a lot of them did, um, but some didn't. Um, and we're pretty, we're pretty even keeled, you know, not that there wasn't little nuances or differences between a Dan Rather or a Tom Brokaw um, or, or, or other people that were on American broadcast stations for the nightly news or the six o'clock news or your local news. Um, but Larry went far beyond. He realized really early on, once he changed his name to Larry King, for ethnic reasons and because, you know, even back then, <clears throat> Hollywood in New York didn't really like ethnic names being uh, being in there. So he thought he would be a star anyway by doing that. He thought it would be easier for people to remember Larry King rather than his real name. He wanted to have the suspenders be his thing. <clears throat> and and it sounds so it sounds so nice and, and light right now, but that was a kind of big deal by him not wearing a jacket. It showed you that, you know, maybe it was just after the wedding, you know, when everybody has <laughs> gone home and you've had a couple of drinks and here you go, just shooting the breeze a little bit. But be he knew in talking to the celebrities and living in L.A. that if he wanted to make it big, like really big, like legendary big, he has to create a brand onto itself just like the the people that he's interviewing which in, which enabled him to get all those a-listers anyway people wanted to talk to him because he was able to put the spotlight on them because he brought millions of people every single night to his program as you're saying you know cable news and, and cable news talk shows have really evolved over the last number of years uh, and there's much more of a political bent to it because there's more networks. You know, you've got the left, the right, and, and you know, you can pick your ones and watch them. But we as a, as a population, Eric, still like to be entertained. And we still want to hear those one-on-one -on -one interviews with the big names. Uh, who's king of the hill now? 
Yeah, and I think that that's why in the last four years, I think everybody's been, you know, obsessed with, with the daily, hourly, minute-by-minute ongoing activity that's going on in, in America, especially led by, by Donald Trump. Because at the end of the day, really, there's not a lot of things that that man did that affected us here in Canada. But we were entertained, sadly, and obsessively, again, sadly, by what was going on in America. As much as people want to think that they were learning and, you know, um, uh, learning about the political strife or the racial strife or watching Black Lives Matter movement, you are entertained. And there are studies upon studies that will show that people will watch bad news far more than good news. People will spread bad news further than good news. And that is entertaining to us as well in some bizarre humanistic way. It's why social media is so rampant and so important in all of our lives because it uses a psychological effect of the endorphins of feeling good, but also getting angry. Larry King used that exact same philosophy. Not that, you know, he got us angry, but he used the exact same human emotion that we all feel. We want to laugh. We want to cry. We want to get angry. We want to get hurt and we want to do something about it. Larry still used all of that. Um, when he was talking to a political figure, he kind of dug a little bit deeper. He knew that he just couldn't make jokes with Vladimir Putin as much as he could with, you know, somebody like, uh, you know, Paris Hilton. Um, but he used those same emotions that we're all using now in order to get the story across, and he did it better than anybody else. He did. He did. Uh, not soon to be forgotten. Eric, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for the time today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. We'll talk soon enough. You, you betcha. Eric Alford, of course, music and pop culture expert, uh, reminiscing about uh, Larry King, who passed away uh, just a couple of days ago from COVID-19, sadly. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.